Course Control, Episode 9. Welcome back to the journey. We have a very, very special guest, Miss Mariah Coleman. Hello. What is up? <laughs> Nothing much. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. So for those who don't know who you are, for maybe the 1% who doesn't, can you tell me, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about me. yourself? Um, so I am a transfer student from Indiana University in Bloomington, um, played volleyball there for two and a half years, transferred to UND in 2015, um, transfer was for a lot of reasons, but mainly because it was a better health option. I tore my left ACL at IU and I tore my right one here. Wow. So I only played here for about three months and then I went into medical retirement. Um, but I am a, was, just graduated, um, just got my Bachelor of Arts in Communication and a focus in Public Relations. Mm. So, yeah, from Illinois, youngest of three, only girl, biracial, 6'3", right. <laughs> <six laughs> <three>, 155 <laughs> pounds. You're in your own lane. Right. You're definitely in your own lane. So, word on the street is you had a really, <clears throat> really dope and innovative speech at the commies. Uh, thank you. So, what was the hype about? Um, so for people who aren't communications majors, I feel like I'm surrounded by them all the time, so I just assume everybody knows. Uh, but the commies is an end of the year celebration in which awards are given out for exemplary students who do well in certain courses or just show overall improvement, things like that. And then there's entertainment, um, in between the awards. And then at the end, there's like a senior send off. And so mm -hmm. the senior students get to go up and give their last piece of advice to incoming freshmen or you know underclassmen things like that <coughs> or fellow seniors even yeah. and um i was our i'm sorry <laughs> so the department chair dr daryl clark um had sent us an email to the seniors letting us know that we had that opportunity and he was saying you know you need to plan it out and preferably write out what you're going to say mm -hmm. um have something eloquent and prepared and so I, it's funny because I mentioned in my speech, I'm notorious for winging my entire life. Like I never really plan, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, oh, I feel so much better. I'm, I never <laughs> really plan shit out. <laughs> be you. Because if I was going to have to censor myself, this was going to be uh, a very strenuous process. But mm. <clears throat> nah. no, so I really took that to heart. Mm. Um, public speaking is something that I've always loved to do. It makes a lot of people nervous. I've never been one to shy away from it. I love right. speaking in front of people. Um, and so I was like, you know, I kind of want to take this seriously. And I spent the entire week um, deciding on what I wanted to say. And I kept trying to think of something light and something um, kind of... Quick to the point. Quick to the point, something that wasn't going to be too heavy. And something mm -hmm. kept telling me, like, you need to share your story. Right. And I couldn't get away from it. Like, all week I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's going to be really heavy. I'm yeah. just going to... I'm it's just going to say, like, cheers, you know, like, drink a lot of beer and, and leave. <laughs> Turn up. <laughs> you know, get drunk as much as you can right. and leave. And then there was just something that was just like, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to share your story. And I ran it by Russ, Russell Collins. Shout out to Russ. Sis. Um, my best friend. And I asked him, what do you think about this? And he already knows a little bit of my story. I mean, me and Russ just being close, he knows where I come from. Right. And uh, he's always fucked heavy with my story. Like, mm -hmm. always. And he tells me all the time, like, you have a story to tell. And it's really weird to hear that because 
to be the person that's being told that you kind of feel like you're just you mm -hmm. and so it's really difficult to be like I mean I, I don't know exactly why people should give a shit about what I have to say and mm -hmm. so you kind of have to go through that period where you're like why would people give a damn about your right. life story and um, I think because my life is all I've ever known and because the things that I've been through I just kind of I mean getting through those things there was no other option to me. I mean, people will say to me, like, you're very strong or you're one of the strongest people I know. But from my perspective, what what the hell else was I supposed to do? Exactly. You know, I'm not going to... Crumble. Exactly. It just, uh, that never really crossed my mind. And so to hear from all these people, like, that doesn't happen to everybody um, was, was pretty eye-opening. So like I said, I spent the whole week on this speech and I kept going back and forth about it because I thought, you know, the commies is a joyous event and it's a celebration and I don't really want to get up there and be super serious, you know, and, and bring people down. And um, my story can be very heavy if it's told in a certain light. So I right. had to I had to tread very lightly and be very careful about how I wanted to word things. I had to make sure I told jokes in there exactly. so people weren't like, damn. Whoa, what's going on? <laughs> um, but I finally decided, you know, that I was gonna do it because there was just, like I said, something was incessantly telling me like, you are supposed to say this. Yeah. And it wasn't even, by the end of the week, I was thinking more about other people than myself because it would be very selfish for me to be um, to back away from something like that something that is internal telling me to say these things and then I back away when there could be somebody in the audience that needed to hear that and it turned out after the ceremony I had the response that I had from that speech mm -hmm. you know although it wasn't gigantic because there were only about 150 people there that's still a lot I mean that that is a lot and not everybody came up but I know that I've been I've been impacted by things before and not right. necessarily said something to the person so the reach could have been farther than what I know but I know that I did have a like the, the response that I did have of people physically coming up to me and saying thank you so much that was a good thing you did I mean I had a girl with uh, tears in her eyes coming up to me that was like That's crazy. you needed to say that and she was like that was amazing and so I was really I mean I'm not I rarely in my life will step back and be like I'm really proud of myself mm -hmm. but in that moment I was like wow like I actually just did a good thing and you know, that kind of reinforced for me because motivational speaking is what I want to pursue at this point. And so that was kind of um, confirmation for me, like I could do this every day. If I just had to travel the world and give speeches and have that every day and have right. people come up to me and be like, well, I was about to fall apart till you said that, you know, mm -hmm. I mean that, who couldn't, who couldn't sleep soundly right. at night? With, fulfillment. With, yeah, fulfillment. And so, like I said, by the end of the week, I was like, you know, this isn't just about me. This is about the audience this is about uh, I'm passionate about this for for a reason I'm passionate about what I have to say for a reason and this goes beyond me yeah. you know it's not just about oh Mariah's embarrassed and so Mariah's not gonna say anything and it might be Who awkward cares? and there might be people that okay. uh, think that it was inappropriate um, right. But no, I was like, I have to chance the ones mm -hmm. who are gonna think it's too heavy to get to the ones who need it. Right, because that's a big risk. Because you have like faculty. And, like, it was a big there. risk, yeah. Because they would probably be like, whoa, their perception you may change, they may stay the same. Yeah, and I'm very, um, I'm not a low key person in any other way yeah. except for my story. I, right. I mean, there are plenty of people that were like, I had no idea mm -hmm. that you had gone through any of that or mm -hmm. that you grew up that way. Right. So what, was, um, what exactly was the situation? What was the story? Because I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I, just heard I, that I forgot you're, a lot of people. you're not the coolest person in the world. You're not a comm major. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I, I basically highlighted, um, I think it was three or four, I can't remember right now, I'm sorry. Um, highlighted three or four separate 
events in my life where I could have basically cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, and my overall point of giving that speech was to tell my classmates and my peers not to break ever. That's the thing about me, I don't, I do not break. And that's something that I've realized now at 23 that that's just part of who I am, especially with this feedback from this speech and people saying like, I don't know how you did that. And by like, I want to I want to mention this as well. My life has been nowhere near the most difficult life that has been lived or mm-hmm. I am very blessed in a lot, a lot of ways. What I'm saying is my life apparently, mm-hmm. what I'm slowly realizing is atypical. And it's something that's worth sharing and it's something that has a lot of messages that <clears throat> excuse me that people can take away from it. One of the biggest of them being to be unbreakable and mm-hmm. and not break and not let your circumstances define you and not let them trick you into thinking that things will always be one way. And I say trick because when you're in a situation that is extremely difficult, it is very, very easy to sort of slump into a mindset of this is how I am. Mm -hmm. This is just my luck. This is just my life. This is just what I'm meant to be. How am I supposed to claw my way out of this hole that I seem to be in? or that I have been in for months or years or whatever. And it's a trick. It's a trick because the second you switch your mind and you use, and I mentioned this in the speech, and you use those circumstances as energy to propel yourself forward and you flip it around and you take it as a challenge and you say, fuck you, you're not gonna beat me. Mm-hmm. And you switch the situation around and you take control, it's over, it's over. Like, you will get out of absolutely anything. Um, I truly believe that. And so, so the three, going off of the overall message of being unbreakable, the, um, I believe it was three, I may end up saying it was four, if I remember <laughs> along the way. Whatever comes to mind. Um, so the first thing I mentioned was being born into a single parent household, mm. which is very common. Definitely. That's very relatable. So that's not... Mom? Yeah. Yeah. That's not anything that people haven't heard before. And that's another reason why it was difficult for me to share my stories, because some of the things are just kind of commonplace. You know, everybody has kind of certain pieces of a story that that align with everyone, and I feel like that theme is common, you know? Mm Poverty is common. Struggle is common. Financial struggle, anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I'm excited about this podcast because it gives me a little bit of a chance to elaborate on that a little bit. And I had edited the speech over and over and over and over and <laughs> over because we had to keep it brief. So there were a couple things that I cut out. Um, and I was sending it to several people and getting opinions on it. Um, but yeah, so I'm the youngest of three, as I previously mentioned. I'm the only girl. Um, my oldest brother is Caucasian. My middle brother is biracial, black and white, and I am the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up and there were a lot of things that I learned about my childhood as I got older that you don't realize as a kid because you're just kind of like I want to go play in mud and you know skin my knee and ride bikes um but my mom first of all is the second to youngest of six children and um so she was married to my oldest brother's dad for eight years they divorced and then she um was wasn't married to either my middle brother's dad or my father and um the thing that i admire about my mom not only in being a single mother because that is unimaginably tough in itself (laughs) unimaginable um but 
She also raised two biracial children in an extremely, a ferociously racist family. Mm. Um, I didn't have it as bad because by the time I came along, they're like, oh, it's another one, whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, we've been through this before. Um, I actually had very, um, I was very lucky because we lived next to my grandparents, right next door. We were neighbors. And um, my grandparents didn't care for my brother as much, but I was their favorite. Like, by the time I came along, you know, they kind of babied me. And I, I didn't have a, a hard time at all. But my mom, when she found out that she was pregnant with my brother, really, really went through it. I mean, um, my grandfather was the type of person, he was Native American, but he, like, so even though he was a person of color, he was very, still very racist. And, um, you know, he would throw the N-word around mm. openly, religiously, um, treated my middle brother blatant, like explicitly different than other grandchildren. My brother's been spit on, my brother has been maced for jaywalking. <laughs> He was walking with one of his Caucasian friends, he was a teenager. They stopped him for jaywalking and they maced my brother and not his friend. My brother literally did not act out, was not violent in any way, but he was maced. So I haven't been through any of that shit. Right. So that's a, one reason why I'm blessed. I haven't been through any of that shit. But I look at my mom and I'm like, holy fuck. How does he deal with that? And I asked her one time, and I'll never forget, I asked her, I said, uh, did you ever think about putting us up for adoption? Because, you know, I'm supposedly this very strong person. Let me tell you. Being a female, being young, having to know how my family is and know what I'm going to face. You know, it's one thing when you don't know what you're going to go through, but when you know explicitly, this yeah. is what I will deal with if I keep this child right. and fucking keeping it. And like, you know, there's that mother-child bond and that's very strong, I understand that, but you're also an individual. You're also your own person and people can be selfish sometimes. And for my mom to make that decision that I don't give a shit what I go through mm -hmm. I don't give a shit what people say about me this is mine and and I asked her that I'm like you never thought about putting us up for adoption she started crying and she was like no never like it, it was not even a hesitation it was no never and she started crying and she said from the moment I found out that I was having you and your brother you were mine like and that's what it was and so that's where I get part of my strength from because my mom's had a fucking hard life too. I could make a whole nother podcast about yeah. that. I mean, my mom has had a hard ass life. Right. And so, you know, growing up in a single parent home, I realized that as I got older, that my family, she dealt with that when I was little, which I had no idea. Um, but growing up in a single parent home was very difficult. You know, I went to um, a, an all white high school. It was very small, 168 kids oh my God. in my entire high school, not in graduating class. So 15 people. Entire, yes. <laughs> per class. There were, like, there were like 50, that's generous. There were like yeah. 50, this is an estimate, 50 people in my graduating class, maybe. Oh and we were one of the bigger classes. Like there was like, you're a huge Ooh, class, whatever. 50. Um, but I went to an all white school. Um, and it was a farming community and people, you know, unless you're from like a rural community, a lot of people think that farmers are very like poor. Farmers are rich as shit. <laughs> farmers are rich land. as shit. Um, and you know, rich is obviously subjective. So yeah. they may not be rich to some people, but you know, to a kid growing up in a single parent home, they're, they're you're fine. Rich, yeah. Um, and so it was very difficult growing up around those kind of kids because I always wondered what they had and, um, you know, the same old story and resented my mom when I was little really bad my mom and I just now have a good relationship I mean we've been through a lot of shit and uh, there was definitely a period of time where we were arch enemies um, but yeah resented my mom really bad for the fact and she was busting her ass but I was like no I want that I want Birkenstocks I want 
a 2000 whatever Chevy Malibu. I want what they have. Right. Because I was sick of the one, I was sick of being the one that always had to ask to borrow money or couldn't go do fun things because we couldn't afford it, you know, right. could never have people over my house. Um, it's kind of being a little bit selfish. Yeah. I understand the big picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was always, it's funny because I was a pretty, excuse me, I'm sorry, I drank soda, so I'm like belching like a man. Um, <laughs> but I was always a pretty precocious child, so I was always kind of like ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. I always had a little bit more wisdom than my peers, but that was the one thing that I was always like very selfish on and just couldn't see the bigger picture, you know, couldn't understand that circumstances were just different and you know, that I, as a child, couldn't do anything to really change that and, you know, to just kind of learn to respect my mom for the work that she did put in mm-hmm. because it, I can only imagine how insulting it is as a parent to be like, well, I, here I am, you I'm know, this for you. trying to do literally everything I, I can do, exhausting all of my resources, and it's still not enough. So everything I have done for you is not enough because you don't have a 2017 whatever or you don't have this bag or you don't have these clothes or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, so I talked about that. And I talked about, oh, shoot, what else did I talk about? Maybe I still have it in my notepad. I know I definitely talked about um, my depression and anxiety, which is something that I was very passionate about talking about because mental illness is something that people don't discuss. What triggered that? Um, you mean when did I first figure out that yeah, I had like, it? Well, or? You probably realized that for a while, though, right? But you just now, like, diagnosed it, maybe? Um, it, was, it was very... Um, recently diagnosed. I've mm-hmm. dealt with it since I was about 16, mm-hmm. um, but I never had a name for it until probably about a year and a half, two years ago. I just thought like, I'm just sad all the time yeah. and I cry a lot and like, that's just kind of how I am and that's just my life and that's just kind of Mariah and that's what she does. It was deeper than that. It was way deeper than that. And um, cause I remember in high school, like sophomore year of high school, this is the first time I remember ever dealing with something like that. Um, I was like a straight A student all up until like freshman year of high school, I was fine. And then I remember sophomore year, um, I just stopped giving a shit. Mm -hmm. And it was so foreign because I couldn't make myself give a shit again. And I didn't know what to do. And I was just kind of like, I don't care about anything. You know, like I was the type of kid that was like, fuck, if I get an F, like I'm so screwed. And it's it's not like my parent or it's not like my mom or my family was really hard on me about grades. I mean, they were actually pretty permissive about it. It was like, whatever you get, you get, you know, as long as you're like not failing. Um, but I held myself to a very high standard and I always hung out with the right crowd. I hung out with kids that were very studious and very um, academic oriented, I guess is what I would mm-hmm. say. But, um, but I just remember being like, wow, I really, I don't want to do this. Right. I don't want to do this homework and I don't give a shit about what I get on it. And I don't, I just don't give a fuck and I can't give a fuck like I'm trying but I just can't make myself give a shit I just didn't feel like doing anything Mm -hmm. and at that time I was moving from house to house I mean like looking back because I was I would try to think like what triggered that what made you suddenly just snap into this you know other place Mm -hmm. And I think about where I was, and I haven't lived with my mom since I was 15, which I'll get into later. Remind me to ask, oh, wow. <laughs> remind, remind me to explain that. Um, but I was bouncing around from house to house, and living with friends, families, living with my teachers. Um, I stayed but with. Why my, though? Like why? I'll get to that because okay. if I get to that now, <laughs> right. then I'll get off of subject with this. Okay. But um, keep that in keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, but I was bouncing around from house to house, you know, constantly broke, obviously. 
um, and also trying to keep up with athletics, which was extremely strenuous because I was trying to get myself a scholarship, basically. So that takes club, club takes money, club sucks up your time. When you don't have a car, you have to find a way to club practice, you have to find a way to club tournaments. And so the whole time I have to ask people, you know, for rides and for money and, you know, people like to advertise that they're very generous. And I did have people back then that I will definitely say were ride or die and people that were there for me along the way the entire time. But for the most part, it's rare to find people that will literally inconvenience themselves to make sure that you get where you need to be. That's a rare find. So I dealt with a lot of side eyes and a lot of, you this know. This girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was always that kid. And I can imagine, because it was exhausting for me, I can imagine that it was extremely exhausting for those around me. Um, but yeah, I, sh I shared a little bit about my um, depression and anxiety because mental illness in my time in school is something that I've learned people just don't talk about and it's just really shoved under the table and um, it was very difficult for me to mention that especially in front of that many people because I know how I've looked at people subconsciously and it's just a reaction and you can't help it mm -hmm. but when people will share their stories of oh I have schizophrenia or I have you know there's something that changes the way you look at them yeah. you know almost like they're very different or like you feel sorry for them or something like that or they're unstable and they shouldn't, yeah. you know, I don't know, <laughs> unstable, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just felt the need to address it because I happen to know that a lot of people deal with depression and anxiety. I mean, the rates of depression and anxiety, the rates of Americans that are now on medication for certain things has skyrocketed. And um, so a lot of people are dealing with it, but we, don't, we just don't fucking talk about it. And so I was like, well, I'm going to say something because it's a very... Oh, it's it can be consuming and crippling and debilitating as an illness, and it's weird for me to say illness because for the longest time I was just like, no, that's not that's yeah, not me. That's like not I don't. Me. That's that still has a very unsavory taste in my mouth when I yeah. say illness, but that's what it is. And um, I got on medication probably about a year and a half, two years ago, um, and I was you've met Darian, so. Yeah my ex-fiance, ex-boyfriend person that I planned to marry, very complicated situation. Mm. I was dating <laughs> him at the time, and um, I just remember, like, wasn't on medication at all, and was just, I mean, that relationship really exposed to me how shitty I am as a girlfriend. Like, oh God. I mean, he, you know, he is a gem, like, treats me amazing you know just the most one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life never has ill intentions toward anyone but he just dealt with the shit all the time and you know to me it would feel natural like my reactions to things would feel natural but in the grand scheme of things to somebody else that has a chemical balance right. it looks like why the fuck are you like why are you sad or like why are you acting this way so I decided, you know, to get on medicine for him, and then it transformed into, well, now I want this for me, and I need this for me. Right. Um, and getting on the medicine was a struggle, because I grew up in a family where if you didn't admit something, then it didn't exist. Like, I have an aunt who's losing her fucking mind, but the whole, like, she has dementia and, like, all this other shit, and she's, God bless her, um, love her to death, but she's insane and nobody in my family will like address it like they're all just like oh it's aunt whatever you know like she is which, yeah and so when I told my mom I wanted to get on medication she was pissed 
and she was just like, everybody thinks that they need to take a pill to make their lives better, you know, instead of doing da-da-da-da-da, but mm. she's just very against medication. She's up with it now, but when I first told her, I mean, it was, I had to fight tooth and nail to convince her that that was what was best for me. And, um... Even when I first got on it, I didn't want to take it because I'm such, I'm a control freak, like a huge control freak. And so I didn't want to admit to myself that you need this to be normal. Right. You know, I wanted to be like, no, I can make myself normal. So I started, I, I, I eventually got past that and then I started taking it. And then when I started taking it for a little bit, I thought, well, I can do this. Now that I know what it feels like to think normally, I don't need this medicine anymore. So I stopped taking it. And... You have to understand that I dealt with my symptoms without medication for so long, so that was very familiar to me. So the lows and the ups and downs and the roller coaster rides were very familiar to me. So even when I was off my medicine, it was kind of frightening because I felt out of control, but there was at the same time this sense of familiarity of like, I've been here before, I know, I know what this feels like. So even though it's painful, even though it's something that is precarious and unpredictable, it's something that I've dealt with for years. So I, that, there, was, there, there was a time where I would rather deal with that than be on my medicine, and I would try to act like everything was fine, and I would try to act like I didn't need it. Um, and then when I finally decided to take it all the time, which I take it all the time now, um, then after I decided, okay, now I'm going to actually take it, then I started having financial issues, and I couldn't afford it. I became ineligible with my insurance, um, and so I had to figure all that shit out. But... So there were times that I went off of my medicine because I didn't have money to pay for it. And I'm the type of person that I hate asking people for money. Mm. So, sorry, I keep burping. I really wish I would stop. <laughs> it's okay. Her. Um, but even though my family had offered several times, you know, if you're off of your medicine, like, call us. Right. There was a part of me that was like, right. I just, yeah, I just don't want to do that for, like, once in my fucking life. Because right. I've done it since I was, like, a fetus. So I'd rather not have to do that. So I would just go without it. And it's crazy because now that it's in my system and I've been on it for so long, when I'm off of it, I can feel myself slipping. Like, I can feel it going out of my system because I can feel myself reacting to things. I can catch myself reacting to things in an unhealthy way. And I'm like, shit, I'm going back to that. Okay, well, well, fuck. And, you know, it's just like, it's it's just a very... um, like I said, it can be a very crippling illness. And one of, the, one of the biggest reasons I want to talk about it is because nobody does. But another reason I want to talk about it is because people tend to think that, like, oh, well, you're just sad. Like, just get, get over it. Right. You know, so I wanted to bring some exposure to what it's like from, you know, a person who actually deals with it. I mean, he, I mean, even Darian told me when we were together, he's like, before I, you know, dated you and saw your process and saw what you went through, I just thought, like, just get the fuck over it. Like, just stop being sad. And even when I deal with it, there's still a part of me that's like, why the fuck are you sad? Like, right. <laughs> there's a part of me that's, like, logical and is like, this literally doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why are you fucking sad? Like, yeah. but I, but it's so crazy because there's part of me that's like, this is ridiculous. And then there's part of me, the depression, that's like, this is so valid though because of this is just how you feel and it just feels so valid and it feels so justified and you're like no I'm right and I'm right to feel this way and all the things that I'm assuming and the things that I'm believing are true um so it's it's very difficult but even still like I understand that this podcast and my story can be very heavy sometimes but I want everybody listening to keep in mind I just graduated college like I'm still fucking making it like I'm still you know 
where I want to be at this point in my life. And even with depression, I consider it daily victories that I, I could give up today, could have given up last Wednesday, could, could have given up when I was, you know, 17, like, and I didn't. So, you know, I understand that sometimes hearing these things can be like, wow, this is really, okay, this is really fucking sad, but, you know, keep in mind, like, like I said, I just graduated fucking college, so I'm doing fine. Um, but I think that everybody's like always uh, having that internal battle because I know like I don't have an internal battle. I may not be as severe as others, but mm -hmm. everybody's always having that internal battle. Like it's you, it's literally you versus you all the time. Oh yeah, in every situation. So, That's like, all life is, man. Right. And Seriously. In the chemical balance, like you said, it may be different. Like some are a little bit more. I don't know. On a, just on a different level mm -hmm. than others, but I know for a fact, like me getting more into it myself has always been like me versus me and like why I reacted to like the way I react to things now like through like meditation and stuff like that mm -hmm. and I'm coming more into it myself I handle things better but before I'm a very impulsive person so I had to figure out that balance you know like okay now I get to know myself a little bit more kind of don't put yourself in that type of situation you know you, you get it's just really like you have to look yourself in the mirror and that stuff is hard you oh, know yeah. what i mean like oh, literally looking yeah. in the mirror yo you have an issue man and you need to handle this differently mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like you literally need to handle this differently versus like oh no i'm making excuses because like the brain is it's, it's some type of formula i don't know what some twisted formula that has been i don't know like maybe like back in 5 a.d bc whatever oh, that 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 <laughs> started five. and it's like it's like whenever there's an issue you try to think of an excuse to justify why it's happening versus like taking it for what it is and it's like literally right there yeah you know to make excuses yeah it's easier. It's oh easy. it's way easier it's easy it's, like. it's so easy to baby yourself oh my it's so easy to baby yourself <laughs> it's incredibly easy yeah. and i and i really try to avoid doing that i'm very much about like self-development and mm -hmm. self-growth and introspection and examining like why the fuck does Mariah do the things that she does? And, mm -hmm. you know, what does that mean? And is that healthy? And if it's unhealthy, then we need to reevaluate it and you need to change some shit. You know how hard that is for people? Oh, God. And it's, it's funny because I'm like, I was talking to some of my friends one day and I was like, I can't believe some some fucked up shit happened with somebody. And I was like, I can't mm -hmm. believe they didn't see it as this. And they're like, well, people don't really think like no, that. No, they don't. Like, like, even you can take that even further to like the fact that you want to do like motivational speaking or really just like put your story out to people mm -hmm. like we're like such in a box to where we're programmed to think okay go to college for four years and get in debt then go to grad school then you know but it depends on like what the journey is but like we're we're programmed to like live in this box you know what i'm saying like yeah. do what your mom did or do like what your ancestors did or we're gonna go to the military just because we've been doing it for this, this has been in the family you know what i mean yeah. instead of like doing what you want to do you know what i'm saying yeah. and not doing what your family wants you to do or doing like okay well this this person's doing this on instagram so like now i'm going to live my life based upon what this other yeah, individual yeah it's so fucked oh like, god <laughs> you know what i'm saying like Jesus it just doesn't make any sense to me. and doesn't. especially and especially with me just graduating college yeah oh my god the, the biggest goddamn i'm so sorry the biggest question i've had since i fucking graduated was like yeah. Well, do you have a job lined up, and what's your plan now? And I you know what? Know. I post on I post on Facebook, <laughs> and it was a picture of like me and Russ with our diplomas or whatever. And I said in my post, "Do not ask me what my plan is if you expect a fucking answer, because I won't give it to you." Like, because I'm just okay. Here's here's what Mariah wants to do. So right. she's gonna travel and learn, 
and expose yourself to different cultures right. and be broke as shit but gain experiences. I'm going to buy fucking experiences. I'm not worried about buying a goddamn car oh, or a nice-ass apartment. And then I'm going to make connections in motivational speaking and I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. Like, I will... Like, going into a corporate job and just plunging myself... And there are people that are doing it, so if you're listening to this, like, I'm not knocking it. Right. It's just I'm not wired that way. Right. So when I speak with disdain, it's because it literally, like, for me, for Mariah, right. does not work. So I was on the phone with my brother last night and I was just like, listen, like, I... The idea of just jumping into a fucking job, like that's what Darian's doing, and it's and I think about it for me, and I'm like, it makes me squirm. Like I can't even fathom just because this is my this is the time when I have the biggest opportunity to take risks. I have no kids. I'm not married. I don't have a mortgage. (laughs) I don't have, you know what I mean. Like there are so many things that I don't have to deal with at this point in my life. I can just make my own fucking schedule and do whatever the ha- do whatever the hell I want to do. Like, why would you want to? Why would you want to cut that time short and just go into a job? Now, am I gonna make money? Of course, I'm gonna find some. Ran- this is what I'm gonna. I'm gonna find some random ass job. Right. Waiting tables with where I can make my own hours with flexibility, and I'm gonna use all that money to travel right. or expensive. do whatever. Get tattoos. Do whatever the fuck I want right. to do. And I'm going to go places and I'm going to see people because here's the thing. You think you know yourself when you're like 20, whatever the fuck. And half the people haven't even been out of the country. I haven't been out of the country. So what the fuck do I think I know? I've been in America. What does that prove? You know what I mean? Like seriously though. And and every time I talk to people that have traveled, they're like, you have no no idea. idea. Exactly. Because like, luckily for me, luckily for me, my parents put me in a situation where my, like my mom, like I have like somewhat of a similar situation, Mm -hmm. um, like with my family and stuff like that. We all like, you know, have our own personal issues, but my mom, like she's my rock, you know, that's my woman. She's my ride or die. She's always been there. Like she's been through countless amount of stuff. I've seen a lot of different. Oh, okay, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I've seen a lot of different things. Hitting the you know microphone, I mean? boxing with the microphone. But like she always put me in different situations where, like for me, like I went to a high school predominantly white. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't grow up like in the best neighborhood, but then we progress. Now we live. You know, we're doing really well. She's doing really well. Family's doing really well. But I saw like, the work that she put in, right? But she always put me in different situations. Like, I'll be at a summer camp where it may be predominantly black. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then she put me in a situation where, like, I'm in a summer camp where it's predominantly white. And then, you know what I mean? So, That's like, you dope. Could, Shout so you, out to mom. Right. So you could be cultured. And then, like, from that point, um, I went to, you know, Brother Rice in Chicago, Catholic school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we had uniform and stuff like that. But it was just, like mostly white but just a culture of just different individuals you know so she always put me in different situations but my sophomore year uh, i remember she was like saving money because she wanted me she, you know she traveled and went out the country on her own dime and stuff like that you know younger right and um i had been studying french i studied like up to like french five in high school and so we had the opportunity to go on a trip so 10 days in france tour france and wow. you know she made that happen for me you know what i mean yeah. and then like my whole perception on life like i just don't feel like i mean because i've always been exposed and i'm like all right if i have this little bit of money let's just go do it you know mm-hmm. what i mean because you just never know mm-hmm. so and my my whole my whole thing is i've always been the type of person where i don't like i don't know what i don't know you know what i mean and i'm always looking to learn yeah and just from like going i don't know that just intrigues me so much that 
perceptions is different and cultures are different, you know, yeah. and that, that really intrigues me. It's fascinating. And, and I feel like the moments you stop when you think that you know everything, mm-hmm. it's like the moment that you lose. In oh, life. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I'm happy that you, you made that point because I'm not sitting here saying that corporate America is bad. I'm not sitting here saying that being a lawyer is bad. I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, having a nine to five is bad. But what I'm saying is, this is a time where, and I know what you're saying too, mm-hmm. this is a time where you need to do what you want to do. So like, if you have things that intrigue you and you want to be a travel agent or you want to do this, you want to do that, then push yourself in position to make that happen. Right. So therefore, 20 years from now, you're you're looking up and you wake up and you're mad about the situation that you're in. Right, and here's my thing. If you want to be an accountant, Right. you majored in accounting at UND and you're getting ready to be a fucking accountant, then be a goddamn accountant because right. you're living what you want to live. Exactly. If you majored in something that you're not interested in um, and your parents really want you to just get a job, don't fucking do it. Because the thing of it is like, okay, when I was picking where to go for <laughs> yeah. school, I was going, um, I was blessed enough to have a full ride scholarship for volleyball. So I'm, mm. I'm going on all these visits. Like as a high school athlete, you have five official visits. So there are, there's a difference between official and unofficial. Right. When you visit a college for athletics on an official visit, it is where they pay for everything. Exactly. So if you go on an unofficial, the student athlete pays for themselves. Right. But the institution pays for you on an official visit. So I had five of those. So I'm taking them and I'm, you know, um, I'm in high school at this time, of course, and I'm coming back from all of them and my friends have all their opinions and, you know, they're telling me where I should visit. They're telling me, you know, when I get back from a visit, if I should go to that school or not. Mm -hmm. And I remember my head was fucking spinning. And I, my mom sat me down one day and she's like, if you go where somebody else wants you to go, you're going to be the only one waking up at 6 a.m., you're going to be the only one carrying the backpack and you're going to be the only one dealing with that fucking coach. Yeah. And she was like, they have their opinions now, but they will not be there when you have to live that life. <laughs> so that's how I think about literally everything. And I've been called selfish so many times, so many times. And I really don't give a shit because I have one life. I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do. <laughs> fuck doing shit for other people. Like seriously, <laughs> because the thing of it is, is like, Let's say my mom, I mean, this isn't like true, but like, let's say my mom really wants me to get married right the fuck now and be a housewife and raise children. You have to live that life. And I do that because I love my, and here's the thing, like those opinions aren't always coming from people that you can just easily dismiss. Sometimes they're coming from your parents and you listen to your parents your entire life. So breaking that mold is extremely difficult. I, however, have always been a maverick. So since I was like five, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like that's just how I have always been. So it's very easy for me to tell somebody no. But for the average person, it may be extremely difficult. So, you know, let's say, like I said, going back to my example, my mom wants me to be, wants me to be a housewife, you know, um, get married, have kids, raise kids, be a stay-at-home mom. And because that's my mother and because I love her to death and I would do absolutely anything for her and I want to give her the world, I listen to her. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, my mom knows me best. Right. So my mom, you yeah. know, <laughs> I should listen to my mom because my mom knows best because my mom raised me. But your mom's not you. So let's say I do that. I don't want to, but I do it because it's my fucking mom. And then when I'm 45 and I have all these fucking kids, like, sorry, I love kids. I plan to have kids someday. But (laughs) in this hypothetical situation, they're not the kids I wanted. So these fucking kids and I married to somebody who I wasn't ready to marry. When I wake up one morning at 45 and I'm like, I want to fucking kill myself. 
I'm the only person there. My mom's not laying in bed with me. My mom's not making eggs for those fucking kids with me. You know, my mom's not sweeping the house before my husband gets home with me. My mom's, you know, doing my mom's thing. But I listen to my mom because she's my mom. And I felt like, well, that's what I should do. Don't do shit that you think you should do. Do what you want to do. Because I'm here now doing what I want to do and I could die tomorrow. It's unlikely because I'm 23, no major health problems, (laughs) thank God. But, you know, theoretically, it could happen. And that's the way I think about my life. And sometimes it can be morbid and sometimes it can be very morose. But, you know, you have to think about it sometimes like that. Because people are far too quick to place their their entire lives in the hands of friends or family or, you know, loved ones in general. And I could tell you that right now because I think we've all been in a situation where, all right, something happens and we take it. We're probably, we're probably like, let it filter through, like, two or three individuals that we respect the most. And then we'll probably make our decision based upon, like, yeah. Well, I know for me, like, if if I'm going over a situation and I'm going around it with my friends and then, okay, they can kind of influence, like, what I'm thinking in a Mm -hmm. sense, you know? And then, like, like then I started realizing, hold on, man, you are an individual. Because at the end of the day, you have to live with this decision. So you need to make the ultimate Absolutely. decision for yourself. And I think that a lot, it's not easy though. It's not easy to like separate that because a lot of people rely on what everybody else is doing. So okay, if, if that guy has um, a boyfriend, then I'll or my my friend has a boyfriend or girlfriend, then I'm gonna have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Right. You know, just so I can fit in instead of just like doing what you want to do. Right. And, and I think too, like. Um, it's everybody has their own agenda. Everybody's on a different course. So uh, I think a lot of people may take it personally when somebody's doing their own thing mm-hmm. in a sense, but really they're on their own path. So I wouldn't take it personally. They're just doing what they want to do. And they're, oh, staying, yeah. they're staying true to themselves. Oh, yeah. And and that's the thing. You have to be prepared to deal with backlash. Mm -hmm. I've, like I said, I've been called selfish several, several times. My mom has told me, like, first of all, my mom deals with extreme depression and anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. My mom's also a hoarder, which I'll get to, which is the (laughs) thing that I told you to ask me about. Uh, That's why I wasn't living with her when I was 15. But um, she is in intense denial, so she will never admit, like, I have this or this is this how I think is abnormal or unhealthy. Um, but I remember like when I was getting myself a scholarship, like I had been told, okay, you can, if you get good enough, you can go to college for free. Sweet. College isn't an option otherwise. So I'm probably going to do that. So, um, for volleyball, if you want to go to college, it takes club, which is travel ball for the exposure. Well, didn't have club money. So I raised club money and I was getting myself to practices. You know, I was asking for all the rides, like my mom wasn't doing that. But my mom would definitely sit at home and tell me that I was abandoning my family because (laughs) I was gone all the time. Mm -hmm. And even though I felt in my heart, like, well, I wanna go to college and I wanna play volleyball and this is what I wanna do. And I know that I'm supposed to be doing this. Even though, you know, like doing your own thing is not always gonna be celebrated and it's not always gonna be applauded. A lot of times you're gonna deal with shit from people (laughs) because they wanna keep you. And I'm talking about my mother. Like I'm literally talking about my mother right now. Like I deny my mother. Who the fuck does that? You know what I mean? That is hard for me every single fucking day. Mm -hmm. Like that entire year or some change that I was playing club before I got a scholarship, Mm 
was some of the toughest, mentally, some of the toughest years of my life because I was constantly like, wow, I guess I am abandoning my family because I'm never there. And it's crazy because when somebody is telling you to do something or when somebody's trying to make you feel guilty about something and you know that they're just trying to do it for like ill intent or you know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy to dismiss something like that. But I could see in my mom's fucking face that she really felt like I was abandoning my family. Right. And it really made her sad. And it really like ate her up inside. Right. And so I still had to not ignore that, but kind of push that to the side and be yeah. like, well, I know in my heart of hearts that I'm bettering myself, so this is what I have to do. Like, it's not, it sounds dope on a fucking podcast. Like, do your own thing. Hey, no, that's hard. be yourself. It's literally it's hard. It's fucking difficult. It's probably one of the most, it's so much easier to go with, like, the group of 10 people than oh you go by God. yourself. Oh, my God, yes. And sometimes, it's crazy because, like, sometimes <laughs> I will literally be like, I wish... I wasn't wired this way because it'd be so much easier for me to be like, yeah. I'm going to go to, P I'm going to go into, yeah, I'm going to go into PR right away and I'm just going to yeah. start working 75,000 hours a week. And that's, I'm, that's you know not, what I mean? Not a I wish because <laughs> I wish because to go against the grain oh is terrifying. I say that all the time going against the grain. Yes, it's, it's terrifying. So but there is a part of me that literally just cannot, like I would rather deal with the backlash right. than then buckle and go into mm -hmm. something that I don't because I just god I just I hate doing shit I don't want to do I literally avoid it because the Mariah that you see when she's doing what she wants to do and she's on the path of where she feels like she needs to go is totally different mm -hmm. than the Mariah that's fucking like shoved into some shit mm -hmm. that she doesn't want I, I avoid that shit because I don't mm -hmm. like how I behave and I don't like making people deal with me when I'm <laughs> like that because yeah. seriously like Okay, for instance, the classes that I had to take that I didn't want to fucking take that I hated. My professors will give you two completely different depictions of Mariah. Like, the professors where I loved the class and I worked really hard, like, the comm department professors will be like, she's a great kid. <laughs> Some of these kid. professors here will literally be like, I hope she gets hit by a bus. Like, <laughs> I really hope that she yeah. gets, like, Ebola and dies. So... Right. You know, I try to stay away from that shit. That's why I do what I want to do because you don't want to catch me when I'm doing some shit that you made me do. Like no, you true. really don't want to catch me on that because it's not good. True, and and I do I do understand that you have to do what you got to do to get to where oh, you want to be. Oh, absolutely. But I think yeah. that also, like as soon as you understand like what exactly you want to do, you should start staying true to that and then start yeah. implementing plans and like taking action to set yourself up you know yeah. so it's like for instance if uh, i want to start my own business or whatever i'll go ahead and i'll do you know like i'll work a nine to five or i'll do something that's going to pay the bills but then on the side it's still allowing me absolutely to yeah go, go and pursue what i want to yeah. do as long as it's you know you can address that it's temporary right and it's in an effort to yeah. reach your eventual yeah. goal and not just like yeah. well i'm just doing this because yeah. i guess i should <laughs> like it's completely yeah. but then different. but then also like you can get caught up in a rut though you can get caught up in on the flip side you can get caught up in um you know working and that you know or oh, if yeah. you get that job that corporate job that's like 80, 80 to a hundred thousand dollars and you that's know very the tempting, money, yeah. right it's really tempting but is that ultimately what you want to do and yeah. that's also separating the value of the dollar i'm not saying that if you are wealthy or if you 
I personally feel like I'm rich, like just in spirit. You know what I'm saying? I've mm. been rich. You know, I'm rich in spirit. But I'm talking about as far as like how the system. <laughs> rich people are listening to this like rich in yeah. spirit. Yeah. No, I really, no, I really, that? I really feel that way. That's I, not I, even I, real. <laughs> He's just trying really, to make himself feel It really is better. because I mean the dollar, the dollar, like how the system is. You know yeah. how this world revolves around the dollar mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Even though it is a figure in our imagination, but it is part of our reality. And but I do feel as if you do have to have that in order to. I guess get you more experiences because stuff costs money. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? So you have to make money in order to really do what you want to do. Right. You know. So let, let's not let's not say, all right, no, I, I'm gonna do what I want to do. Yeah, the world peace, y'all. But you still gotta make money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like let's not forget, you gotta make money. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So just putting that out there. No, of course, I totally understand that. And if I have to dig <laughs> ditches to like get where I want to be, I mean, I don't want to dig ditches, yeah. but. I'm going to be way less of a shitty person. Like, what I'm saying is, okay, I have qualms with doing things that I don't want to do that go nowhere. That I didn't choose in the first place. Like, if I actively choose some shit that I don't want to do, and I understand that it's going to take me eventually to where I want to be, I can deal with that. But, like, for instance, okay, for school. I fucking hate school. Like, I didn't, like, I know I just graduated. (laughs) I didn't even want this degree. Like, I'm going to be super real. I didn't even fucking want the shit. Because I, like... I don't know. So I was told that I could go to college for free and I'm a first generation. So it was kind of like my entire family was like, you, you know, have to go to college. And so then I was like, well, I guess I'll just do this volleyball thing. And then, you know, it went from there. But when I was younger, I kind of just felt like, okay, like college is what I should do. And I didn't really have disdain for doing shit that I didn't want to do yet. Mm -hmm. And so but then like the longer I was in college, I just didn't really want to do it anymore. Like I just lost my passion for it. And so that's what I'm talking about. Like then I felt like, okay, well I don't actually want to be here anymore, but I have to keep going because getting a college degree is what you should do. And you know, everybody I know is doing it and, and I'm first generation. So my family's going to be let down if I don't stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing stuff like that, that's completely different than doing something that you know is going to take you, like there's a purpose behind it that you believe in or like an end goal that you chose you know what i mean like as opposed to just well just do this because everybody wants you to or like that's what everybody does or you know it's just commonplace like those are the things that i really fucking hate so um but yeah sorry no i mean that's big (laughs) oh also i want to know exactly what you were saying you were bouncing from house to house Oh, you remembered. Um, No, so my mom is um, a hoarder. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we've all seen the TV show. It's it's like that. Like, it's like that level. Really? Yeah, it's really bad. Why? Um, I can't explain it. She can't explain it. uh, But it's definitely like a disorder. (laughs) It's certainly a disorder. It's not just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's my mom. No, it's like, it's uh, (laughs) fucked up. But um, yeah, so. It, I mean, she's always been that way. Like, even when my brothers and I were in the house still. Um, but it was livable. Like, it was still noticeable. Like, we didn't have people to our house, you know, ever uh, when we were growing up. But it was still, like, you could get from room to room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it was just me and I was in high school, like I said, the last time I lived with her was when I was, like, 15. Um, and even then, it was pretty bad point it is now is like she has a path to the bathroom and a path to the kitchen and she has one 
cushion on the couch where mm. she sits and sleeps. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's obviously been really tough to deal with because growing up, I was always like, well, if you loved me, why wouldn't you clean this house? Wow. You know what I mean? And I didn't understand for the longest time that it was like a sickness. Yeah. Like it's, you know, a mental complex. Like it's not just, oh, well, I guess I'll decide today to clean the house. Yeah, it's hard to come to terms with. Though. Huh? That's hard to come oh, to terms yeah, with. Oh, yeah, always. Always. And like the older I get, the more open I am with talking about it. But right. for the longest time, I like never talked about it and you know but it's just it's just frustrating because i didn't choose that i think that's the one thing about my life that's like well not the one thing but it's one of the things about my life that's really frustrating because i didn't choose that uh reality for myself but i have to deal with the consequences so like my mom is the one that won't clean the house but i'm the one that when i go home for like still even today if i were to go to illinois today to visit my family like i would have nowhere to stay um so it's difficult to deal with because I was not the one, like, I'm not responsible for changing the situation. There's nothing I can do to, and yeah, that's another thing that's more, even more frustrating is like, there's nothing I can do to change it, mm -hmm. but I am the one that has to deal with the consequences. Right. Um, so it's a very frustrating situation. Uh, like anytime I would go home for breaks, you know, I have nobody to stay with and I'd have to be the one to ask, you know, um, to stay with people. So when I was in high school, after I stopped living with her, I lived with my grandparents for a little bit. I lived with my Spanish teacher for a little bit. I lived the longest with one of my good friends at the time and her family, uh, who I'm still like in touch with. I lived with them all of senior year. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because everybody I lived with, apart from my grandfather, my mom was like, had incredible resentment towards. It was so bizarre. Like she hated them mm -hmm. because she felt like they were taking me away from her. But I'm like, you took me away from, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it was just always, I mean, even today, you know, it's not something, it's something that I still struggle with. So it's not something that I can like look back and be like, yeah, you know, this is the conclusion I came to. Like, no. it's still bizarre oh, to me. It's still, um, yeah, I mean, she'll yeah. even, she'll <laughs> even behave that way towards Darian sometimes. Like if I spend too much time with him, it's mm -hmm. just the whole thing. Like my mom's a very complex. Yeah. Very, very complex person. Don't get me twisted, though. I, do, I love her to death, right. and she is a good mom, mm -hmm. you know, but there's just, everybody has fucked up shit. No, definitely. Me and my mom is like, I could have, like, 27 podcasts about me. <laughs> it's just an ongoing process, I, and I know, like, you know, I feel like you have the peace now that you understand the situation, but you'll never have true understanding. What I think is different too, because when I was in high school, like I had no control over fucking anything. It's right. not like I was an adult and I had my own apartment. Yeah. I live in GV, you know? So like, I don't have to go home, which is why I don't. I just don't put my, when I was in high school and I was younger, I couldn't get myself out of that situation. Mm -hmm. There was no break from that. Like now I can choose to avoid that situation if I want to. You know, when I was younger, I was just in it. So now it's like completely different and I'm allowed to look at it in a more rational way and I'm allowed to accept it a lot better because you don't have to be in it. You know, it's a lot more frustrating when you literally can't escape the circumstances that you're in. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, me and my mom have very, very long history a very obviously 23 years of history yeah. to be exact um but it's very there's a lot of a lot of layers to our relationship and um i think i think the house has always been a struggle for me and i think another thing like that i mentioned in my speech in the commies um which was 
I uh, became a victim of sexual assault when I was nine. Um, I was abused over the course of like a year to a year and a half um, by a family member. And I was, like I said, I was nine. He was like 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, my family, like, it was weird. So my extended family, like, didn't believe me at all. His family, he's my, he's my second cousin. So um, his family, like, denied the entire thing. And my immediate family believed me, I think, because they felt like they had to. Um, I remember my dad flying in from California for like to file reports and stuff and um it was just a really difficult time because you know being a child and having to speak with the police and having to go see the doctor so they can examine you and all this other stuff um i like i remember going to the med- oh, oh shit oh. now i'm boxing the microphone sorry <laughs> um i remember <laughs> going to the medical examiner and it was like an older white lady and she was like um you know, there's no doubt in my mind that this happened, but she said that I was asking for it by the way I was dressing. What? I'm like, I don't even dress myself, bitch. Like, I'm nine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? So it was like a really wild time, yeah. like really wild. Um, but I remember like that's one thing that has always been hard for me to let go of with my mom because there was one particular time that really like still gets to me today because my mom and I have talked about it and she's never like really acknowledged it or like apologized for it or anything but um my aunt had died probably like a year before all this came out my aunt and my grandmother who were like the glue that held my entire family together and um we it was thanksgiving and this was a couple months after i had told everybody what had happened um and we were at my aunt's gravesite, and it was like my immediate family and a few of my cousins, and then he showed up with his family. Mm. And I remember, like, it's something that you can't understand unless it's happened to you, like, just being honest. You know, I'm not trying to be, like, exclusive or whatever, but um, it truly is something that you can only understand if it's happened to you. But, like, the, the anxiety you get from, like, seeing that person especially when you're a child because you don't know how to like handle it and you're not adult enough to be like no I'm stronger than this like you're just like holy shit you know Mm. he's here and I remember looking at my mom and like begging her I was standing right beside her begging her to take me away like I was I started bawling and I was like I can't be here like Mm. I don't think you understand how uncomfortable I am right now I am terrified and she was just like no and she was like we're not gonna run and for her it was like a pride thing and like a territory thing and I remember I called her like a couple months ago and I was like that still upsets me like to this day like sitting in this fucking podcast I'm still like mad about it and you know she was just kind of like well I wasn't gonna let them like scare us off or whatever and I was like that's not a like I was like first of all that wasn't your moment to like take control of you know what I mean like that wasn't your call to make whether or not i was comfortable with being there you know what i mean and also i said you know it's not a territory thing like this was i was raped like that's not you know what i mean that's not something that you're just like well i'm not gonna let you scare us off you know what i mean so um so that was always really hard to deal with and sexual assault is so it makes me sick to my stomach in general because first of all 
once again, like, yes, it did happen to me, but hearing other women's stories, like, I feel like I got off easy, to be honest, like, just putting it in how I, in the phrasing it how I feel, genuinely, um, I feel like I was pretty fucking lucky, because I've heard a lot of women's stories where they were violently, like, assaulted and beaten and, you know what I mean, like, right. left to die, um, but it's just crazy to me because that was something that I wanted to mention at the commies because people, that's another thing like mental illness that people don't talk about ever. I mean, women, it's insane. Like I talked to my sister-in-law um, a couple months ago. She told me a story about her, two different fucking stories and, she, and nobody knows. And I'm like, right. how? You know what it's I mean? It's a like, lot of that, it's a lot of that. It is insane. Like the number of women that you probably interact with that you would you never have, have no any idea. idea. And it's so like, it's just crazy that just women in general just feel the need to be like no it's fine no it's fine like what are you talking about you know and i even felt that myself because like my family eventually just moved on like even my even my immediate family like they talk to his family and him and everything like we'll go to family reunions and he'll be there and i literally just have to like because if you think about it what was i supposed to do like Mm -hmm. as a child i'm not gonna be you know, I'm not going to continue to be like, don't associate, you know, because it was crazy. Like the whole, the whole vibe over the entire situation was kind of like, just get over it. And like, if I was to keep saying things about it or keep bringing it up, it would have felt like I was blowing things out of proportion or like right. I was being dramatic. You know what I mean? Or like, it's not as big of a deal. Like that was, that that's the best way I can describe it. Like, it's not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be. Um, but the, the repercussions were obviously there, you know, and, and I dealt with, um, the mental scars that came with it. And, um, so it was just like, I don't know, like sexual assault is just so, uh, it just makes me, like I said, it just makes me sick. But I, that's why I really wanted to share my story. Um, because it's liberating for me, obviously to stand up there and be like, this happened. And then like, just sigh and be like. Wow, I really just said that. <laughs> but then, it takes a lot of courage. But then, uh, you Definitely. know, for people that maybe are keeping theirs under wraps, mm-hmm. you know, or don't have the courage to come forward, just knowing that somebody has dealt with the same thing that you, you know, obviously different, but essentially the same thing that, you know, you've dealt with. I mean, I just wanted somebody to know that they weren't alone, basically, exactly. you know, so. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's really what I was trying to get out of that entire speech mm-hmm. was just like, I've been through, like, this is what I've been through. We've all been close to breaking. Like, yeah. just don't fucking do it. Like, just <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't give up ever, ever, Respect. ever in your life. You hear that? Don't give up. Ever. Oh, my God. That's real. But I appreciate you for coming. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having me. Um, for those, as always, I love you to give the listeners some wisdom um what would you tell them people who are kind of struggling with trying to figure out exactly what their course is and what where they want to go in life what advice would you give them um i think for me in my experience i've always had um kind of a feeling about a certain direction that i'm supposed to go in Mm -hmm. And I would assume that people have the same thing. So whatever, wherever you're being pulled, just fucking go. Like, whatever, I mean, the same thing with the speech. I didn't, and you might fight it. It's going to end up happening anyway, though. I um, didn't want to do it. 
didn't want to do it. And something was like, you're supposed to just fucking do it. Like, right. just, you're supposed to say this. <laughs> so whatever direction you feel yourself being pulled in, mm-hmm. just go. Go for it. You heard it. You heard it. As always, thank you guys for the support. Thank you for the love. And uh, this is not possible without you guys. Hopefully, you got a little bit better today. Hopefully, you got some wisdom. And thank you, Mariah, for coming on again. Of course. And as always, stay the course. <laughs>